This is Contractor Sense with Ruth King. Welcome to Contractor Sense. Here you discover ideas, tactics, news, and information that matters to your contracting business and you. I'm your host, Ruth King. This episode is sponsored by Profitability Movement. Google profitability-movement to join this community of business owners focused on building profit, increasing wealth, and giving back. Thank you for joining us. Here is how we will help your business and you today. How do you make sure you're covered when you sign a contract? What about pay-on-pay clauses or lien rights? My guest today, Carolyn Cromines, owner and managing partner of the Cromines Law Firm, gives you the answers to these questions and more. Carolyn, welcome to Contractor Sense. Thank you so much for having me, Ruth. I'm excited to be here. Oh, my pleasure. So you've been a lawyer and you've been dealing with construction law for a really long time, right? Yes, for like 17 years. Goes by entirely too fast, if you ask me. Yeah. And so I'm sure you've seen the good, the bad, the ugly, the stupid and the dumb (laughs) and the smart. (laughs) You know that the construction industry as a general rule is a rough and tumble business. Uh, And, you know, you know, the the, the downside with being a lawyer in construction, I never see a good project. Right. Yeah. If I'm I'm involved, something went wrong. Yeah. Unfortunately, there are, I mean, quite frankly, there are really good projects out there that go really smoothly and everybody makes money and everybody's a happy camper. But you're right. You only seen the stuff that doesn't go right. Yeah. And I try to get on the front end to help that those projects go smoothly. So less of them end up on, you know, with me getting involved on the back end. Yeah. And you've written a book to that effect, right? Correct. Uh, Quit Getting Screwed, which is all about the bad stuff that's in commercial subcontracts. If you're signing, you know, uh, signing somebody else's contract on a commercial project as far as as a subcontractor, um, there's lots of bad stuff in there that people aren't aren't don't realize the effects of what what could what could happen. And where do they get the book? At Amazon. It's Amazonable. (laughs) Very good. So, you know, if you want to. Protect yourself before you start. Go read. Don't get screwed. Yep. And also, you know, also, and I, because I'm so passionate about it, I teach the 20 chapters in that book for free on uh, my platform, subcontractorinstitute.com. It's uh, because there's, because I want people to have the information and, and to know what it means. Yeah. Well, the thing is that, you know, if they've done the right things up front, your job becomes easier. Yeah. Well, hopefully I won't have, you know, my job is helping them on the front uh, front end so they won't see me on the back end. right? Well, no, uh, sometimes they're going to see you on the back end anyway, because yeah. somebody doesn't pay or something along those mm-hmm. lines. And if all the stuff and the I's have been dotted and the T's have been crossed before the project started, the back end makes your job easier. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, all right, let's talk about some of the things that they should be careful of when they are signing a subcontract. So yeah, the first thing that I would be wary of is, is like you said, the pay when paid clause. Uh, and what that means is that you as a subcontractor won't get paid until the owner pays the general contractor, which is something you have no control over. So right, that means that you could do a perfectly job, have everything finished on time, but something goes south between the owner and the general that has nothing to do with you. And you still don't, you still don't get paid. And so what that means is when you sign a subcontract, 100% of the risk of non-payment is shifted to the sub, right? And so basically you should have enough cash on hand to do the entire project uh, without getting paid because there's a pay when pay clause, even though you haven't been paid, 
you still have to keep working, right? Well, yeah, and you still have to pay your suppliers and yeah. your employees and all that sort of fun stuff. Is there any way to get out of the pay on pay clauses? So there is like, if you can, I have in, you know, quick getting screwed. There are three ways to negotiate them on the front end, you know, like getting paid 50% or filing a lien. Um, the other way too, that's very effective that can um, not actually get around them. But if you start the lien filing process, like sending of intent to lien to the owner or to the lender, that if the general contractor really hasn't been paid, that could force payment. Or if he has you'll be prompted that he has been paid and that you haven't been, you can jump on that issue and make sure you get your lien filed. So uh, that's the most, those are the most two effective ways I've found to, to get around those types of clauses. Yeah. I know in Florida for projects that are a certain size and, and up, but I can't remember what the minimum is. You have um, what are called NOCs or notice of commencements, mm -hmm. which are probably part of the pay on pay, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so the notice of commencement and multiple states offer that too, is like to let everybody know this is the project has started. Here's the general, here's the owner, and basically give all the information required to the people that you should give notice to if you haven't been paid. And I know Florida also is one of those states and all these states are different that require like a preliminary lien notice. So like within a certain amount of days of starting the job, you got to send a notice to the owner saying, hey, I'm working here. If I'm not paid, I'm going to file a lien even though you're really not owed anything, a pass to do anything at that point in time. That way, I think the whole thought behind that is to make sure that the owner and the general have the, they don't always know if you have a sub sub or material supplier, but if you send those notices, they can make sure before they pay the, you know, the sub or the GC that everybody's paid so that liens won't be filed. Right. And, and I think in those states, it's smart but yeah. you also have to follow through. If you don't get paid, you have to file the liens. Otherwise you're out, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So that's the thing is that a lien is a great remedy. It's great leverage, but there are lots of steps to do them right. And they're different in all 50 states. Uh, but a lien secures the amount that you're owed for labor and materials, you know, with the property. So basically it's like the same as a mortgage lien that, you know, if you take out a loan to, to buy a house, it's filed in the real property records and it's very, you know, it's, stays on there until you get paid and depending on the length depending on what state you have to file suit to enforce the lien to uh, keep it alive but yeah and, and and a lot of it is state requirements like the requirements in washington state i'm sure are different than the requirements in florida which are different than the requirements in massachusetts you know all the way align is there anything that's consistent for all the states <sighs> that an actual lien has to be recorded in the real property records when you're ready to file a lien. And then some type of notice is, is required before when and how you send it is different in all 50 states. Um, I kind of, I'm working on a project to let every contractor know what their rights are. So subcontractor Institute has the rules for all 50 states there to file a lien. I'm also interviewing specific construction attorneys from every state uh, and to dive into, you know, just the notices and everything that's required in each different state and then the practicalities because the law can say one thing, but what's actually happening could be a little different or it's interpreted differently. So um, I really think that it's, you want to improve your cash flow, um, get a process that enforces your lien rights and do it consistently. Yeah, absolutely. Before we take a break, give everybody the name of your book again. Sure. It's Quit Getting Screwed and you can get on Amazon. Sounds great. We will be right back. Thanks for listening to Contractor Sense. Do you ever have warranty leak issues? One of Ruth King's clients did about four years ago. Thousands of dollars in expense and unhappy customers. She solved this problem for him though. 
How? With a leak letter that every customer must sign when the service technician discovers a refrigerant leak. Once they implemented the letter, there were no more warranty leak headaches. No warranty leak callbacks. Happier customers. The surprising result was more replacement sales too. To get a copy of the leak letter for free, just send Ruth an email at ruthking at hvacchannel.tv. That's ruthking at hvacchannel.tv. We're back. Thanks for listening to Contractor Sense. I'm talking with Carolyn Cromines, who has written the book, Don't Get Screwed, and she is the owner and managing partner of Cromines Law Firm, who is very knowledgeable in how to not get screwed in all 50 states as it relates to construction law. So, Carolyn, tell me one thing that everybody listening to this podcast should do when they you know, hang up and we're done with the podcast. Okay. So, you know, in my mind, there's two, like from the legal perspective, there's residential contractors and there's commercial contractors, right? So if you're a commercial contractor, um, make a plan to have somebody review your contracts before you sign them. So you understand what, what is in there, like, you know, or quick, go read, quit getting screwed, uh, do that. And my residential contractors, um, and sometimes I think that they, they shouldn't have a contract. Uh, there's no project too small for a contract or terms and conditions. So if you don't have a contract, um, you know, I do them on a flat fee for all 50 states, or if you just want some keys and pointers as to what should be in your residential contract, I have some great free blog articles um, at the chromeanslawfirm.com that has, you know, if I was going to write what I, what goes, the terms and conditions that go into my residential contracts that I draft for my contractors. What about maintenance? I mean, there's a lot of things with respect to maintenance that, you know, really should be in some sort of legal contract, Correct. No, absolutely. And I think the maintenance becomes important when we're talking about warranty, right? Uh So saying that, you know, and this is on the residential side, saying that, you know, um, I'll honor a warranty claim as long as you kept up with the maintenance required by, you know, the manufacturer. Right. Um, Or, you know, like a great example I have is like, if I'm a landscaper and you don't water your plants, that's really kind of a maintenance thing and I'm not going to warranty that, right? And so having that in the contract, though, is hugely important. Yeah. I mean, it, there's, you know, what we call the acts of God that contractors don't cover. But mm-hmm. there's sometimes stupid stuff like dogs doing their business on <laughs> units and then the homeowner wanting to have you responsible for it. We found that out one time. And I'm sure you've had <laughs> even more crazy stories than that. No. Yeah. I mean, like, so they, I always, I always put in there, especially from residential guys, if the dogs get out, we're not responsible because it, it happens all the time. Right. You know, mm-hmm. if, and especially if you're like an exterior painting, if I trample the bushes, I'm, I'm not responsible. And another thing too, is painters and residential remodelers um, having a set of standards that they're judged by. So like my painting contractors, the PCA has a great, uh, great like um, standards. And so mm-hmm. if you reference that in your contract, which so like in that aspect is like, if you're going to judge somebody's painting, you got to stand so far back away from the wall and there's, you know, it tells that there's variance in shades and all of that. So that way they can't go over your back with a flashlight and be like, oh, this is inconsistent. You're like, no, 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 this is according to the rules that we've discussed or that are in the contract. This is how we judge our work, right? This is the standard. Uh, so I think that's an important thing to, to reference um, in your residential contracts. Yeah. Um, the commercial guys aren't, aren't, aren't nearly as lucky because they basically got to give whatever uh, warranties in their contract. Uh, and some big things that they might miss is that their warranty period doesn't actually start until the entire project's over, right? 
And uh, so that could be, if you're like one of the first guys on, on the ground in the project, that could be potentially years after you're finished that you still, the warranty still hasn't begun. And then the other thing on that one is there's nothing in those contracts that say you have to be paid in full to honor the warranty. So I try to make sure to put that in both commercial and residential contracts. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about that for a second. Let's assume you are the first one out and you have to maintain the warranty, even if the project is not finished for three years, correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. Cause that's what the terms of the contract say that you've signed because, and because here the, the whole thought behind that is the contract period to the owner doesn't start until the general contractor turn the pro- turns the project over to them. So like a certificate of occupancy or something like that. Right. Right. Yeah. When that would actually start. So it just it's just something to keep in mind when you're negotiating a, a commercial contract and, you know, somehow lim- based on what your work is, limit what the warranty might be uh, or just realize that that's a risk that you're signing when you sign those contracts. Right. Now, there's something I didn't mention um, at the beginning when I introduced you, but retainage and payment of retainage is often um, mm-hmm. a contention because sometimes um, generals take a year to pay the retainage, sometimes more, and you know, screaming about it. Is there anything you can put in the contract about retainage? I mean, yes, you can put it. It's already kind of law in all states that once the general contractor gets paid retainage, he's supposed to pay the subs. The problem is, is that there's really no leverage to make him do that because you're already done with the project and he doesn't need you to show up to finish any work, you know, whether. So the best way to ensure that you paid your retainage is file a lien when you're done or when the project's done. That way you when the owner does pay retainage, you can either get, you can get paid from the owner as opposed to waiting because I'm, I'm not saying all general contractors are this way, but I've seen in the there's past, enough of them that are <laughs> the general contractors <laughs> gotten paid by the owner and intentionally holds that money mm-hmm. and then goes around and negotiates with the subs. Hey, you know, um, we haven't gotten paid yet. So, I'll, you know, uh, I'll pay you 50 percent of that. And, and the contractor's not wanting to litigate and, and knowing the time value of money, just take it. But I mean, 10, you know, depending on what state you're in, retainage is generally 10% on, on, res, on general projects and 5% on public works. That's if you're making more than 10% margin on your job, you're doing awesome. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's basically you're, you're giving your profit away. You basically paid the general contractor to go to work. Yeah. Exactly. That's my point all the time is like, if you're making a 10% net on this job, your profits in the retainage. So, yeah. So, and, and yeah, I agree. So you can even file a lien after you leave and just put in the lien that is for retainage. Don't be wrong. That pisses everybody off. Uh, but it's very effective. Yeah. Well, guess what? You did the work. We have a contract. You're supposed to pay me for that work. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I know, I know technically under the contract, it's not due till the project's complete. But it doesn't say I can't file. Most of them don't say, currently don't say I can't file lien before that time, right? Yeah. Uh, and that's the thing about that's the thing about liens. You can always file them early. You just can't file them late. Got it. Yeah. You file them late, you lost it. It's done. Mm. It's over. Yeah. Well, not only that, you could not only lose the, the, um, the amount that you're owed money for, but you could be penalized if you, you know, because a lien will stop a sale or will stop financing. And, and if, your lien's invalid and you stop one of those and, you, and it gets screwed up, you're on the hook for what the damage is caused. So um, liens are great leverage, but they need to be taken seriously. And I have yet to see any of those online lien filing services do, do a lien properly. 
Good. That's good to know. Yeah. All right. If somebody wants to contact you directly and not go through the website, how would they do that? Um, the Chromies Law Firm dot com or my email, which is Carolyn, which is K A R A L Y N N at the Chromies Law Firm dot com. Cool. And the name of the book again. Quit Getting Screwed, available on Amazon. Very good. So get a copy of that book, and Forewarned is Forearmed. Carolyn, (laughs) thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you to all of you for joining us. Choose one thing that you discovered and implement it in your business. These ideas, tactics, and strategies help you make more money, have more free time, and give back. If you like today's program, spread the word. Please review this podcast on any device you're listening to it on. Help a fellow contractor make more money, too. For comments or questions, call me at 770-729-0258 or email ruthking at hvacchannel.tv. Thanks for listening. Have a great and profitable day.